it's Mike Corbett here, the national official for NASGWT in Scotland. And I'm introducing to you our Better Deal for Teachers podcast. Uh, it's going to be a series of podcasts which explore a variety of issues across education in Scotland. Uh, and most importantly, talk to some of the key people about education in Scotland. And that will include from time to time some real live teachers. This week, in our Better Deal for Teachers in Scotland podcast, we're going to be talking to Sara Medel-Yemenez, one of our NESUWT activists, to learn a bit more about her and her activism. So delighted to welcome you here today um, to talk to us a little bit about what it Mm. means to be uh, active within NASUWT. So perhaps you can give us a little bit of um, background as to your involvement with the union. Um, so I guess I've been a member for, for as long as my teaching career started, about this is my eighth year teaching. So I became a member during my probation year. Um, and it was one of those things that I didn't really know what I was doing as a student teacher. There was just a table full of you know goodies, notepads, Pens and I, I just you know joined in um, with the NASUWT, um, not really knowing what I was doing, but I was, I knew it was important, and I think there's a lot of people like me back then that had just no idea, uh, but I was really happy to to be um, a member, um, especially once I understood a little bit more about the profession once I actually got in. Um, and you know it's a bit like insurance isn't it you have it and you hope you pay for it every month and you hope you never will use it but then you're very grateful when you you know we really need to use it and i was in a position where where i had to um i had to you know come to you for help um this was when was that uh about three years ago and it was just so amazing to be able to just sent an email was feeling anxious about something and be able to get Claire's response really swift, really quickly to just explain to me what it was, what the steps were to be. And since then, since that happened, it just opened my eyes to a whole range of situations. Um, this coincided as well with the Black Lives Matter movement. At the time I was on maternity leave and I was approached by by the union, who I believe you were doing a census back then, who were your black teachers, so anybody willing to be acknowledged so so and willing to disclose um, that they could be part of this WhatsApp group. And I think from that, it's noble, really, that I, I started to make connections with people outside my school, other teachers of colours, with yourself, thank you. Um, and then from from there, um, I think I was just incredibly lucky that this happened during lockdown. And as a mother with a baby, I would never have been able to have access to all the great different networks that are available here in Scotland for black teachers if it hadn't been for all the online, um, I suppose, platforms that then suddenly you know, surged out of COVID. And then since then, I'm also part of the Black Workers Committee and I've been delighted to work with Police Scotland, trying to um, make their recruitment and retention practices much more inclusive. 
I've spoken to Parliament as well about the um, disproportionate sorry, amount of work that um, women of colour have had to do during the pandemic. And I am now a um, diversity and inclusion um, coordinator at my institution, as well as a teacher of Spanish. So I think um, for me, I don't know if I, if I had to sum it up, for me being part of a union is, is like being part of a network that really has your back but that also has that, you know, a bit like a net, you know, it protects you, but it also has that um, power to push you forward. And I think I just, you know, I always knew that unions were important. You know, I always I felt you know, human rights and, and the power of democracy is obviously um, key to our society. I knew that as, I suppose, as a core value somewhere within me, but I had never experienced it. Um, so, yeah, it's just been great to to be here and be part of, a bigger, a bigger movement. No, that's. Um, I think that'll chime with a lot of listeners, um, who will have the experience of um that sense of collectivism mm. within a trade union. Um, I wonder. You mentioned about having given uh, evidence, and that was to the Scottish Parliament mm. Equalities, Human Rights, and Civil Justice Committee. That's right. Um, <laughs> around race intersectionality and and women's unfair responsibility for unpaid care and domestic work mm. and. I don't know. Reflecting on that experience, were there were there key messages or discussions on the day that you, that have stayed with you? Um, yeah, I, th- I think there were many. I think one of them, um, I think the, the the biggest one for me, um, in in my own positionality as a as a person who wasn't born in the UK but has a life here now. I'm a first generation immigrant. Um, hearing how how this experience of um, being perhaps educated back in your other country is just dismissed totally, you know, um, just not valued as soon as you you arrive here Um, and how there's just so many women of colour that are educated and that are capable, but they cannot just simply continue their career as a dentist or a doctor or a nurse. in the UK and they have to, they just got, have to go through a lot of red tape in order, in order to actually achieve those qualifications here. Um, so through, through this um, forum, I met some brilliant people in the third sector that are helping these women by providing mentorship, uh, which was, you know, for me, that was amazing. Um, another thing that again, as a woman, as, as a mother, somebody that went through COVID in a very small flat, like many of us in Edinburgh did, you know, um, the, the you know, space poverty was definitely a, a thing that I realized, um, you know, I wasn't alone, that the fact that it was really difficult for people to, to um, continue doing their work if they didn't have enough devices, even if they had enough devices, did they have enough rooms for, you know, children to take their Teams classes, for everybody to take their online meetings. That was, you know, that was something that really um, stuck with me and um, and something that I continue um, taking forward and thinking about, you know, pupils really that, that, that continue having these difficulties. So I think that's one of those things. Um, and again, as a woman, the, um, the amount of collective stress that you take in both at home and the workplace, you know, often women teachers, we will be, we will have worse behavior from the pupils um and we may also receive more i don't know reprimands or you know 
more authoritative comments from behalf of management than perhaps male teachers would. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, um, it's great being a woman. There's a lot of power in being a woman, but there's also, you need to acknowledge the, you know, how, how the world continues to see you and just be really aware of that. I think you've raised two very um, pertinent issues that are, are very much being focused on in education just now, which is both behaviour mm. and the impact of COVID. And I, I think yes. there are some links to be drawn between the two. Um, and I wonder, you know, in, in terms of your own experience, how you saw that and how that impacted perhaps disproportionately different groups? Um, yes, I think I think there's, I think education is very different after COVID. I believe children... Um, you know, they were changed themselves. They had to upskill very, very quickly and then they have to drop all of that and come back to the classroom again. I think that brought a lot of disruption as well. Um, I, I, was, I was actually really lucky at the uh, Black Workers Conference a couple of weekends ago. I sat down to next, uh, next to um, a teacher, a Black teacher, who was telling me he did a PhD on the effects of um, online education on children. And it was really interesting, something he said. He said, uh, behavior is, is worse because according to his research, um, children, the ones that were very diligent and conscientious, they don't understand why after going through that, they're still treated as children. So there's a lot of rebellion in them from the, you know, from the good kids. Um, the, the children that perhaps didn't have as much support because of, you know, the, the conditions that I um, outlined before, you know, having no, no enough devices, no, not enough space, not enough time from parents. You know, maybe parents were key workers and they had to be out there um, in the field where everybody else was, you know, had a different set of advantages of parents that could work from home and could actually give help. Um, so then you also have these, these, this proportion of children that didn't receive the help that were that their edu- education was totally neglected and and they have huge gaps in their knowledge and they, they're really you know fighting um they're really struggling i think um and then on the other half on the other hand you also have the the children that just needed school to just set that range of behaviors and habits to to be able to then excel at everything else and it continues on the increase. I am not sure if this is because children didn't have that contact and didn't have that those years to build that habit of school. I don't know if it's perhaps um, screen time, which is not ideal either. Um, you know, I, I do think with all this technology that we have, we cannot just close the door on it and ignore it. But at the same time, I feel that we've we've missed a trick somewhere and we don't know how to incorporate it effectively in the classroom. You mentioned about uh, involvement with the STC Black Workers mm. and attending the conference. Mm. Um, and I, I imagine some of our listeners may understand about the processes with the STC and what that involves. But for those who don't, can you maybe explain a little bit around what that, um, what that involves and, and how you participate? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll try my best. I guess the, the first time I I got asked to be involved with the Scottish Trade Union Congress and the, the Black Workers Committee within it, 
it was very much an invitation from either yourself or somebody in the WhatsApp group. I, I can't remember. It was, you know, almost three years ago. And um, I was very um, inexperienced. I was an amateur, you know, in, in, into all of this. I said yes, because again, I knew I could do it online. Uh, I think at the time my, my son was about maybe 10 months old or something. So he very much needed me close by. I knew staying away in a conference probably wasn't the best idea at the time. You know, and I hate, I hate saying these things because, you know, before I had children, I would have never thought it would be a thing. But, you know, being a mother, you know, gives you a, a, a different range of experiences, I guess. Um, so the first time I attended, it was very much online and I was able to uh, move a motion. Uh, so motions for anybody out there that doesn't know what they are. These are the proposals, if you like, that, that we as a committee bring together. And, and these are not things that we uh, bring by alone. These are issues, complaints, grievances that people in our workplaces have had for potentially a number of years. And for whatever reason, they felt strong enough about it to report to their own union or their contact within the, um, the Black Members Committee within their union. And slowly and over time, um, there is a picture being built of the issues that we have um, in our own organisations. And I think one of the beauties of the um, Black Workers Committee and the, and the conference is, is seeing how much we all have in common, you know. Um, for me, one of the best experiences of not just the online conference, um, but then the subsequent, you know, presential normal conference that I was able to attend. I just, it was just incredible. It, you know, you really leave the room feeling that you're not alone, feeling that there's a lot of really passionate people there uh, willing to fight the good fight. And, and really that all it needs from you is acknowledgement and commitment. And there is a range of commitments that you can have. I think I don't think anybody should be put off by saying, oh, you know, I, I can't be striking, you know, every weekend. That's, that's not the reality of being active in your union. Um, and I think a lot of us could really benefit from this. Again, at the Equalities Conference, we had a great talk from Khadija Mohammed, and she summarised really beautifully everything that has been going on in education in Scotland, which, again, thanks to... So to you, Tara, thanks to the union, I was able to put my hand up and say, yes, I want to be part of these conversations. So I was I was aware of what Khadija was talking about because I've been part of these meetings as well. But she just she's just so amazing at summarizing it all and explaining its relevance. And to some of the people that have never heard this again, you know, other black teachers within the room, they just listened to her. And afterwards, they went to see her and they said, you just summarized the way I've been feeling, that thing that you said about the concrete ceiling as opposed to a glassy a ceiling. I, he said, I, I now understand why I haven't been promoted. Now I understand that I have barriers. And for me, seeing a, a grown man, um, a comrade teacher, through that, you know, acknowledging this these feelings for me it was incredible to actually see him acknowledging and saying these things out loud in a group surrounded by people um just so much honesty there but also it made me think gosh there's there's so many of us out there that are probably feeling like this 
or will eventually feel like this. It's just a matter of time. And I think channeling those feelings in a constructive way is just so important. It um, was great to have Khadija along to the Scotland Equality Conference. Um, and of course, she heads up the anti-racism mm. and education program. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that you've been involved with yes. in the subgroups. So there are there are four subgroups around curriculum reform, racist incidents, diversity uh, in the teaching profession and around professional learning and leadership. Yeah. Um, so do you have any reflections on, on your engagement with that and some of the key issues um, for black teachers across Scotland? Mm. Yes, I think, yes, just so many uh, reflections and when I think about how how all these different uh, working groups came together again it all came together um, during lockdown or shortly after um, again I was able to attend a lot of these because you know they were online um, and just being part of all these conversations has has really opened my eyes to to the colossal task really that that it involves diversifying our teaching force which is so important um the scottish government has a target of four percent bme teachers by 2030 this is not going to be achieved in time i think um i think there's a lot more we can do with our existing teachers i think also the scottish government is trying really hard to uh, improve the representation of BME teachers in um, uh, promoted positions. Um, they they have managed to change things. So one of the achievements, for instance, was ring fencing some promoted pro uh, posts in Glasgow to ensure that you know BME teachers have access to this experience, at least in a secondment basis, so they can then either reapply or have the experience ready for a future promotion. Um, another really important thing was the um, the ESOL requirement. I think ESOL was felt that for initial training education, maybe was what the qualifications that were asking maybe was too demanding. So trying to find that for language teachers like myself, um, a lived experience of a language wasn't really accounted for. You had to have university credits, which you know is is very limiting. So I think. I think that Education Scotland is trying their very best to be to take to really take a step back and rather than say we must improve this, let's do this, that and that. They've really taken a consultative approach, is being very collaboratively um arranged. Um that of course has some drawbacks because you know it takes so long. But I think the fact that they split, you know, these um and uh, they call it AREP now, anti-racist, anti-racist education program. The fact that they have um, taken this really broad approach, they really thought about it. They thought about how to diversify the the, the teaching uh, force, um, how to develop the professional learning, um, how to decolonize the curriculum, which again is a really a really key factor because if our pupils can see themselves in the curriculum. They're going to be empowered immediately. Um, the anti-bullying and anti-racist um, incident group. Again, that's another another big one trying to really give everyone the tools to report on these important issues so we can act immediately 
but also that we can build a picture nationally of what is happening and how to prevent it and how to empower teachers to to fight against it. So I guess that would be um, um, a very quick summary of what they have done. Um, there's just so much work to do. And I know Education Scotland, every term they start a building racial literacy course. So if there's anybody thinking about how you can help, um, I would definitely encourage anyone listening to take that course because it has been eye-opening for me. Um, I think for anyone that has taken it, has really taken um, an impact. Everybody has taken something very personal out of it and is um, delivered uh, really beautifully. Um, so I would really encourage anyone to anyone interested in race equality to take take that course. I think sort of swimming background to where we started when I was asking you about your own journey into becoming involved. I think there's so much going on within education mm. and anti-racist work. Mm-hmm. Um, that if anyone is feeling that it's it's too, too big or it's too much, um, how would you suggest getting a first step to get active within the union to become mm. involved or engaged? Um, I would say um, definitely contact um, you know the lovely people here at NASUWT. Um, if if you just want to learn about what's going on, whether you know it doesn't matter. Um, your ethnicity, whether you're you're a black or a white teacher, you know, you just contact the union, um, ask to ask to be added to the WhatsApp group. That's a great way of being involved and knowing um exactly what's going on. Follow um NASUWT on Twitter. Um that's a really quick way of you know being aware of what's happening. I know uh, Tara and, and your team is great at um announcing and telling us when something is coming up so we can you know join in um i think again now that there's a lot of things that a lot of things have come back to the normal way of of being you know presential conferences but there's still a lot of online things so you know if any of you have young children and life after work seems a bit chaotic you know you can still take part um, nobody's going to ask you to give a presentation about yourself. You know, you can be a very quiet spectator at the beginning because, you know, sometimes there's just a lot to learn. I mean, I, I think this is this last conference, the Black Workers Conference, is the first time I understood the whole uh, emotions and um, things um, to her work. emotion in her primary. And I, think, in I think it finally Antigua. clicked in my head. I mean... It only happens once a year, so I, I was trying to be very kind to myself and saying, well, that's okay that you didn't get it the first time or the second time. But then I thought, well, you know, I only, I only do this once a year. So I think um, there's always uh, really great things coming up. I think at the moment, the latest thing, um, you know, and, and once once you are part of, of, this, um, of this network of events, somebody always adds you to a different mailing list at the moment i've received in the last two days i received a two emails two invites for the same online event from edinburgh university uh, who are celebrating the legacy of saroj lal a teacher in mornings and primary um back in the 70s and she she moved here to the uk and she wore her red lipstick and saris She was key in ensuring Police Scotland understood 
what hate what a hate crime was which of course back then you know Scotland was a very different place um when I speak to uh, people of color here in Scotland um who you know if you are a person of color and you're listening to this you know this that when you walk into a place um in in this ex particular example I'm going to talk about the haberdashery shop um in Nicholson Street um when it, who is owned by um a family of color they're Asian um they're Indian and whenever I walked in you know the first few times you know the first thing he asked me is like where are you from and I think if you're a person of color you know that when a person of color asks you this they do this in the friendliest of ways so I remember I, I, I became friends with this um, couple running the shop um, as I became a, a, a usual customer a, you know a friendly customer to them and uh, you know they were telling me that you know time that Saroj would have arrived to 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 Edinburgh um, they could they couldn't even find yogurt in the shops you know it was it was a very different place it was a very different place Edinburgh um, and it's just amazing to learn about the legacy that other other people of color have left here in Edinburgh. I was recently shortlisted for Saroj um, Lal's award from the GTCS and I was able to speak to her son. And again, it was a very moving experience um, learning about her struggles and how her learning has, you know, has helped us, has helped a whole community. And, you know, we can be very grateful for all her campaigning for for Scotland's police to acknowledge what a hate crime is. So I think I think it's very easy to to look at something like that and feel intimidated. But I think if we can instead feel inspired and think, you know, maybe maybe you're not going to be the next Saroj. You might be, but maybe you are the person that is happy to sign her petitions or maybe you're the person that is happy to repost things online or maybe you're the person that is happy to I don't know redesign a leaflet because you're actually quite good at graphic design you know there's so many things we can all do within our limited time yeah. and I, I think a couple of times during our conversation today we've spoken about um, either hate crimes or the mm. role of police Scotland and I know we uh, here in the Edinburgh, a screening of the Shikabayev film, mm, yes. um, and you spoke at that event. Mm. Um, I, for those who may not be aware of that situation, mm. would you perhaps maybe give us a, a, a bit of an insight? Um, so, um, I guess, you know, a lot of what I've been speaking about, you know, the work from Education in Scotland and my own involvement in the unit, it, it really stemmed back from what was happening at the media back then, which was, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd and how, um, you know, communities in America, they really expressed their anger and disgust at this. Um, and we were all at home watching. We were all appalled by this. And I think they, this really moved and, and really, it, it was a catalyst really for everything else that followed here. I know, you know, um, that um, young people in Scotland were writing to to Nicola Sturgeon and, and, and you know complaining, you know, just really grieving the fact that not much has changed. Um, and I think perhaps because of how 
the, the you know have the media coverage um really follow that story perhaps the story of Sheku Bayou was perhaps lost um or perhaps just ignored it, it is sad to think that Sheku Sheku's Bayou's death didn't receive the same coverage in Scotland you just cannot deny that there was a racial element here it, it you you cannot deny it is and um, it reminds me of um, of of this quote from "I no longer talk to white people about race," where where the author says, "You know, to be white is to be human," and you know, and we see and we see this all the time. Anybody following um, social media, you see all these videos that that you have, you know of uh, maybe a child beggar and if, if the child beggar is white there's a lot of attention but if there's a brown child that perhaps looks a little bit uncared for people just ignore them and he's and 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 this i in my mind it was the same thing there was if if he had been a white man i don't think i don't think somebody would have actually bothered to call the police I think they will just let them go and say, oh, you know, he'll sleep it off. Um, so, of course, you know, the disproportionate use of force led to um, a disproportionate use of violence. And Sheku died um, in police custody. The family is now, the, the family continues to grieve. They will always grieve. They, they, they produce this film, um, which I was, you know, very humbled to be part of. Um, part of that session that you just mentioned um, and it just reminds me of how vulnerable we all are the the longer these assumptions continue to be in our society the longer we all remain at risk and the longer we'll be in different corners rather than coming together that, that is also something that that worries me because i think a lot of the time when you talk about um equality and protected characteristics somebody somewhere feels outdone by this and perhaps that something is not working in their favor and i think that's another big barrier we have um so I yes I think going back to to what happened to to Sheku Bayou and and his family. For me, there's no doubt that it was all based on race. I I just don't see how they would have called the police on one single person just shouting in the street. I I I, I don't see it. And I think if anybody would like to show their support for the family, mm. um, it's it's the uh, inquiry has a website. Mm. Um, and you can attend in order to show support to Sheku's family on the day um, and we will ensure that that is on our social media posts so that mm. those who want to can attend to show that solidarity. Sarah, I'm so delighted to have had the chance to talk Thank to you, you today. Thank you so much for coming along, for sharing your insight and your perspectives and of course for your uh, anti-racist work and Thank your you. campaigning and presence on behalf of the union across a multitude of different forums Thank you are um 
We're absolutely delighted to have you here today. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.